Welcome to the Macabre Podcast Universe. This is the podcast that exists. Why? To prove people wrong when they say that sequels are never better than the originals. And we're covering the Christopher Nolan Batman trilogy after previously covering all the 80s and 90s Batman movies. Mm -hmm. And today we are joined by Pat and Clayton from a wonderful podcast that I listen to every week to get the breakdown. It is my sports, the BO Boys. Welcome, Pat and Clayton. (laughs) Hey, what's going on, guys? Bo How's boys it here. Going? Yeah, they are what's hijacking up? the show today. Uh, that was confirmed previously when uh, they're just in control of the Zoom call and everything. Somehow, uh, we lost our host privileges. Yes. I don't know how. Yeah, we 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 will possibly sell you the audio for this recording later today. <laughs> but we would uh, appreciate it. Yeah. Cool. We'll, well see. We'll see how this goes. <laughs> and we and we only take Juggalo Bitcoin, so we take Juggalo <laughs> Bitcoin if you guys own that. Hmm. We'll have to figure something out. <laughs> Goods and services. Maybe we'll send you a, a care package of some sort. How about that? Nice. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, this movie came out in 2012, mm-hmm. July 20th, and and I I want to tell you about my experience seeing this. You for and the I first were at the same showing we were at the same showing and it was midnight yep and this was my first midnight movie yes and it was a wild ride i i had been like you know i went to our local theater and i i was i was like when i heard the tickets were on sale i was like gotta get there gotta be there get the tickets a couple of our friends one dressed up as batman eric morris Oh. And Jordan Brown dressed up as Bane, and we staged a fight outside of oh, Cinemark. Yeah. And they were pretty good costumes. And I had a bat signal, and I waved it in the sky uh, <laughs> to alert Batman that Bane was coming. It was very fun. <laughs> so, did you have the Joker fight Bane? Is that who was fighting? No, it was Batman. It was Batman. Batman and Bane. fought Bane. Okay, okay. Because yes, yes. I was, yeah, I thought I was confused because I'm like, if I if I went to go see this opening weekend, and I saw Joker fighting Bane, I would be like, <laughs> yeah, that, this that's... is not the movie I was expecting. No, <laughs> and and we did find out later that someone in that line saw this Bane person walking toward the line in an intense way. Yeah, and they started going for their pepper spray. Really, and they were about to pepper spray our friend. But then someone was like, wait, I think this is like a theatrical fun thing that's happening. Oh, I didn't know that. Now, this was before what we're going to talk about today uh, that happened with the, with the shooting. Um, so that's when the theaters, you know, they, you, would, you could do that kind of thing. Now you can't necessarily. And that's okay. We stand by that. But um, it was really fun. And the movie started like it, it was midnight. And I looked at my watch and the movie hadn't started yet. And I remember running as fast as I could out to one of the maitre, maitre d's. Is that, that's not that's it. A that's a restaurant. But that's if you're being really nice. Yeah. <laughs> our theater's not that fancy. <laughs> but, but I went to them and I was like, the movie hasn't started. We're going to see it later than Did everyone you else. Did really do I that? Was, I was mortified. 
you're weird. I've gotten so much better. <laughs> <laughs> Give him a minute to press play. Yeah. But then we saw it and I felt a little mixed about it. Okay. And then after like three days, I loved it. Okay. And here we are. Yeah. We'll, we'll get into my mixed feelings later. Okay. Yeah, anyway. I think I think Clayton and I will join you on mixed feelings on this movie. Oh, I don't think there's anything mixed about it for me. <laughs> oh boy, here this is gonna this is our Joker versus Bane right here. This there is, we go. This is just well, all the villains. Hey, that's why we're here. I, I I love the movie now, but I do see I see the cracks in the pavement. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is not above perfection, I I wouldn't say. I know but, when I saw it the midnight premiere it could have done no wrong for me so sure. it was just perfect for me and at the end of the movie when joseph gordon levitt they say his name robin my sister and i were just like punching each other like so <laughs> excited and, but i mean since the years have gone on i've seen that's like no it's not a perfect movie yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's good that you've you've real, come to that realization <laughs> yeah so, so so now when you see the line where he goes Let's use my middle name. My middle name is Robin. Now you're like, that's not perfect screenwriting. (laughs) I once thought that was the best line I'd ever heard. And now I bump it down to five or six. Yeah, it's right. It's not exactly Rosebud, but it's close. (laughs) Pretty, pretty close. But yeah, not aging as well. Yeah, I think in my head that was my Rosebud. (laughs) <laughs> now, Robin's now my is rosebud. Not. Is that a cool T-shirt? <laughs> I think it is. Do you guys I sell merch? Uh, now we do. That's our first T-shirt. Now, so, can I ask you guys? Oh, sorry, not to interrupt. Can I ask you a quick question? Because we now, not to show how the donuts are made, but we have not been able to listen to the first two episodes mm-hmm. where you guys talk about Batman yeah. Begins and Dark Knight Returns. So I don't know exactly what your guys' feelings are on those. And you were saying you're very high and could they could basically do no wrong with this third one. I'm assuming that means you were very high on Dark Knight. Yeah, yes. for, for I'll speak for myself. Yes. But the, the Dark Knight trilogy, like when it came out, like this is the series that got me into movies. Like Christopher Nolan's like what got me into movies. And I think that a lot of people... I'll speak for like my, like our age group. I just feel like a lot of people, even if they're not like that into movies, they know Christopher Nolan. I feel like he's a very easy, like in to movies kind of thing. I still think he's great, but he's definitely not like the best or anything. Like, I'm not saying he's better than anyone at at this point, but that was for me. So I guess what I'm saying is because this is what got me into movies, it'll always have a really special place for me. Yeah. He's, he's what Gremlins is to me. That's what Christopher <laughs> okay. Nolan is to you. Cool. Yeah, Giz- Gizmo and Stripe got him into movies. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah. nice. Now, are you a new Batch fan? I do. You know what? I rewatched that recently with my three-year-old niece, and she had just uh-huh. watched Gremlins and loved it. And then I was like, okay, you got to see part two, new Batch. You're going to love it. It's so funny. They shit and, on the movie you love. And then I, we were watching. We were watching. Yeah, well, that's the thing. We were watching it together, and she's not into it. And she's like, why is it taking so long to get to the gremlins? And then I'm like, to this three-year-old, I'm like, don't you love how this movie makes fun of the first movie? I've been overestimating how old she And then she's like, but I like the first movie. And then I realized... Yeah, why did they do this? We like the first movie. Why is Gremlins 2 saying Gremlins 1 stinks? 
Well, Joe, and Dante, he, Joe Dante was not forced, but they offered him so much money and they wanted a sequel because it did so well that he said, I'm just going to do crazy stuff, make it a live action cartoon. Mm-hmm. And that I that's I love that uh, movie, The New Batch. But I think a lot of it has to do with when I was younger, I used to read the film like the um, what are those called? Like. The, From your the magazine, no- novelizations of mm. movies. Oh, yeah. oh, sure. Yeah, and pretend that that was high-minded. So I would walk <laughs> around holding the book. I'd be like, "Oh, you saw Gremlins two in the theater? I read the book." And so I walk <laughs> around with it, and I and that was one of my favorite of the novelizations. So I think I have a soft spot for that film. But also, I watched it recently, and I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, but I could understand why a child would not like it. It's a little yeah. meta for them. So, yeah, to bring it back to Dark Knight Rises, I'll throw this out there. You know, Gremlins 2, Joe Dante didn't really want to do the sequel. They backed up the money truck and he kind of made a sequel that was like a parody of the first movie. Mm-hmm. And I kind of feel there's a lot of similarities with Dark Knight Rises in that way, because like, you know, I know you're going to go into the production. Nolan didn't want to do it. And mm-hmm. they backed up the money truck and he kind of pretended that, oh, I have this great idea to end it, which he didn't. And <laughs> in a lot of ways, I always feel like this movie is Nolan not making fun of the Batman stuff, but sort of like he is kind of in this movie saying, I don't have it. You know, like he's to me, Batman in the cave having to be talked to for an hour and a half to finally go be Batman again. You know, like to <laughs> oh, me, that's like, I kind of yeah. like that take yeah. a lot. Yeah. You know, it's like Nolan is, is basically telling us in this movie, listen, I don't really have a new Batman movie, but I guess I'll put on the <laughs> goddamn cape one more time and give you what you want. <laughs> Shoot. I think that's it. Well, yeah, man. That's that is very oh, I I do love it. I uh, I will say I love that take whether I agree I wish, or not. I, I love wish the he take. had gone full new batch and just done a parody of Dark Knight, you know, just <laughs> just go go fully crazy and have them work in like, you know, the Bat Tower or whatever. See, for for me in in this movie, so I I will unabashedly uh uh defend this movie. I mm-hmm. I really will. I really will. But I will say like, like I said, I can see the cracks in the pavement, and I think there's a lot of little things that are just very odd mm-hmm. that a movie like Dark Knight and, and even Batman Begins, it's like, oh, those details are taken care of. And this movie kind of is not interested in all the little details like the other two movies are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When but you we're going to get into that. When you say cracks in the pavement, do you mean the pavement of... Pittsburgh Gotham or London Gotham or New York Gotham because this movie it's like Gotham every time you have a camera angle it's in a different city uh I would say a crack in all those yeah (laughs) I did love um, the Pittsburgh representation though because I'm from Pittsburgh originally Heinz Ward he's my dude he was in this I was a big fan of that I did see maybe an extra uh, eating a permani brother sandwich that might have not been (laughs) Uh, uh, intentional but yeah no i i you gotta have that some pittsburgh representation that was just a union lighting guy that got into the shot yeah yeah can can you two hit us with your first experience 
with this movie and maybe even set us up on how you feel about the Dark Knight trilogy in general. So I'll go first because Clayton, I know you have the more interesting first experience with this movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, So mine was, I did see it opening weekend. It was the Sunday morning of opening weekend. And I was like psyched. I Mm -hmm. have since come to dis to like all of the Nolan movies a lot less over time. You know, like Dark Knight itself is not very repeatable for me, but I liked it when I saw it. I was psyched Mm -hmm. to go see this when, you know, bunch of friends. We had tickets ahead of time. Saw like a Sunday 9.30 a.m. showing. I think the, the most unique thing I remember about it is there was an usher Everyone's seated in the auditorium, and we saw a maitre d. It was a maitre d. A maitre d. (laughs) Have some respect. uh, Walked (laughs) us to our popcorn, and we're all sitting there. And then uh, an usher comes out and like says to everyone, "Hey, uh, I'm sorry, but but the reel isn't here, and we can't show the movie. Like something like that. It was so weird. And everyone starts booing. And then she goes, "Don't worry, I'm just joking." The movie what? starts now. <laughs> and I was like, why would you do that? And listen, the well, like we've said, Dark Knight Rises had a, a lot of tenseness around the opening weekend. So also mm-hmm. don't like lie to that that crowd. Totally. That totally. weekend. And also, the Joker's not in this. So don't mm-hmm. do a Joker pun. Like I'm just <laughs> joking. Yeah. Like you, yeah. Like if you're gonna do that, you've got to be like, sorry for being the bane of your existence. The movie <laughs> yeah. starts right, now. Right. Right. <laughs> well, clearly they hadn't seen the movie yet. Right. Right. That usher is like, I guess this is another one of those Joker movies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'll say. As of now, I'm in a very negative, like, I think this movie is mostly not good. But when I saw it that day, I saw it with a bunch of people. I was like, this is definitely not as good as the other ones. But there's so much that I was into that I definitely did. But it's like every time I saw a Star Wars prequel in the theater, I also left being like, that was good, right? And then, of course, I'm like, no, that's really bad, like, a year later. (laughs) So I think I think that's where I'm at with Dark Knight Rises is the same place I would be with like the Lucas Star Wars prequels where like I had to see it opening day, didn't hate it. And then like if I ever catch it on TNT, I'm kind of like, this is not a good movie. (laughs) Yeah. Well, fortunately, I mean, unlike our most recent outing with Batman, it doesn't it's not four hours, which is great for me. Mm hmm. It doesn't take four hours. So whether you you like it or not, Justice League, you did. Did you talk about that or you just watched we're, it recently? So we're, we, we've covered the old Batmans. Then we took a little trilogy break, did Unbreakable series. Now we're doing this and then going to take another trilogy break. And then we're tackling the DC universe. Okay. Wow. Starting God with bless. Man of Steel. God bless. I, I know. I'm, I got yeah. a headache just thinking about it. We're not doing the four hour thing, though. I, I can't. Not even <laughs> for this podcast. We're sticking to theatrical. <laughs> but one of these days I'll finish part five i think i'm on i i have to space it out it i don't like it a lot (laughs) i it's i snyder cut to me is better than the justice league but it is terrible movie yes (laughs) yeah yeah but it is so much better than the other movie but it also stinks so much yeah it's insane watching justice league because i go man i really don't like this and then i do think about the theatrical version and i go 
Oh, but that movie's like it's no contest that this is better. Oh yes, Snyder Cut is a million times better in Justice League, and it's one of the worst movies of the year. <laughs> <laughs> well, Clayton, hit hit us with your Batman experience. Okay, great. So, well, I saw the first two of this trilogy in the theater. Was not a fan of the first one. Found it to be too long. Was not very sold on Bale. I mean, like everybody, I don't want to be cliche, but the the Batman voice is a little bit ridiculous for me. I have a hard time with it. Um, the second film, Dark Knight, I saw in the theater, was was not blown away. I, I'm not a huge fan of the Ledger Joker. I wow. just, yeah, I, I just, the... You know what the thing is? I'm not an ASMR guy, and a lot of the the lip licking was <laughs> difficult for me. Yeah, <laughs> and and I thought it was fine, but obviously, like you know, people are gonna hate me for this, but I'm a Nicholson guy. You know, come on, oh, I'm a Nicholson. I'm okay, okay with right? Nicholson. That's. I was just she hoping rocks. you weren't gonna put Joaquin above him. No, no, that's a whole nother. Well, that's a whole nother story. But yeah. I I know there's a difference, right? I'm not saying that. Everybody has to be Nicholson, and I can't have anything else. I just wasn't blown away by the performance, uh, and I don't think it was it. It wasn't bad. It just wasn't my cup of tea. So I sure. did not have any real want or need to see this film in the theater. So I didn't. And the first time I saw this film was today Whoa. on iTunes. <laughs> Before the recording of this podcast. Wow. Was my first time ever seeing this film the whole way through. I love this. This is interesting. Now, I have an issue because it's not on HBO Max. It's the only of the three that isn't on HBO Max right now. So I had to rent it. Which is so... I mean, I love HBO Max. The day and date stuff is awesome. I mean, we, we could talk about the business model of that. But for the consumer, it's great. But sure. you gotta have all the Batman movies, huh? Why? Yeah. Why can't that be where I go to see this? Because I thought this is great. Never saw this movie. Gonna do my due diligence and watch mm-hmm. this film. Go to look for it on HBO Max. Not there. So that's crazy. Already a sour, sour uh, taste in my mouth. Definitely. So I watched the movie today. And obviously, since it's a home viewing experience, it isn't as good as the theater experience. I think me and Pat can both agree. I don't know how you guys feel, but like theater's where it's at. That's how you experience a movie. So you're saying Nolan didn't intend uh, you to watch this on your phone? (laughs) No, I tried to get it onto my my old iPod like that person did with uh, Tenet, which I thought was hilarious. But I didn't have time. I didn't have time. I had to watch it. So I did watch it, and you know there's some cool action set pieces and stuff, but the 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 Bane. I love Tom Hardy, and I'm mm-hmm. a big Venom apologist. I love that performance in Venom. I love a lot of his performances, but this is just not a performance I can get behind in any shape or form. Wow. I f- okay. I found it really that distracting. Actually, makes sense. I can dig that. I found it very distracting, and because. If you do the Batman voice and the Bane voice, that's just <laughs> bad improv. That they're just they're just level one improvers. And then, then you up have that one. old guy doing a Michael Caine impression. Yeah, you got the Michael Caine impression. 
which is, you know, listen, I like it for a couple scenes during the trip, but it can't be the whole movie. Right, right. So you got that. So I, I'm not, I mean, it was long, two, two hours and 44 minutes. That's just too long for any sort of movie, um, unless it's the Snyder Cut, which could never end. And, uh, and yeah, I'm just not a huge fan of the Nolan Batmans. I know this was a very long diatribe, but me personally, I'm not a big fan of the the trilogy uh, in general. But I do find it fascinating box office wise when we get to that point, because it is a very interesting step up for Nolan and a, a, a crazy trajectory for these movies. Mm-hmm. Wow. So. So, listeners, we've really set the table. This is we have we have um, a couple of Batman sitting here. We have definitely a Joker with this chaos of watching the movie right before, <laughs> and then we have the methodical Bane. So we're gonna see what happens by the end of this episode. Um, let me hit you with a couple. Let's just talk about who made this movie, mm-hmm. and then we'll go right into the box office. So. Um, of course, it's directed by Christopher Nolan. We have a screenplay by Jonathan and Christopher Nolan, just like Dark Knight. Story by Christopher Nolan and David S. Goyer, just like Dark Knight. Um, we have music by Hans Zimmer. No um, James Newton Howard this time. Okay. James Newton Howard felt like after the chemistry between Hans, I mean uh, Hans and uh, Nolan in Inception, he felt like him being in this movie would be a bit of a third wheel experience for him. Oh, okay. So he backed out. Um, Wally Pfister is on the cinematography again. The further we get into series, there's all, if, if it's the same production team, it's always a little less interesting to bring up. <laughs> <laughs> um, and like I said, comes out July 20th, 2012, and it has a $230 million budget. That's including the tax credit. And then, break down the box office, boys. So, the Dark Knight Rises... Well, I mean, I guess the history of the Nolan trilogy, as far as box office, is that, like, Batman Begins was a hit, but it was not a, like, blow-away, gigantic hit in 2005. It, let's see, the total, uh, you know, because it opened up in its opening weekend 2005... Uh, at $48 million. And then in total, it ended up domestically, which is what me and Clayton always go by domestic. That yeah. one ended up at $205 million. So not a giant, giant hit. The big jump up is Dark Knight in 2008. That movie ended up at $533 million domestically. The, the one with Insane. the Ledger Joker. Like that one was the cultural event. You know, it's like Joker's back and also the lead, you know, Ledger had passed away and mm-hmm. everyone loved the trailer. So like that one was the movie of the year. Dark Knight Rises ended up domestically at $448 million, so less than Dark Knight. So, I mean, it's a it's a giant hit, but I think the story of it is that it is it didn't top the previous one. It's not as buzzy. And I think the thing to remember is also this is the 2012 is the year of the Avengers. So like, right. Culture had kind of like the box office culture had moved on to like the new hotness, which is Marvel. Yeah. Yes. That's a good point. Yeah. Cause the dark Knight came out in 2008, which is the same year as Iron Man. mm -hmm. Yeah. 
And so there was, there was, that was the, 2008 is looked at as that beginning of the superhero reign. And so Dark Knight opened to 158 million. So you compare that to Batman Begins, which is 48, didn't even make 50 million. That's an insane jump. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas in 2012, Avengers domestically makes 619 million. So it beats uh dark knight rises by 170 million domestic that's insane so like i mean that was a phenomenon (laughs) right right so i think box office wise it's obviously a huge hit it's this domestically second biggest movie of the year Mm -hmm. but it's only like 40 million higher that year than what hunger games does so it's it's human again you know dark knight was inhuman Dark Knight right. Rises comes back down to human level, but it's Crazy. still a it's still a it's still a a, a mega hit, you know. It, you, I think it's it just did it didn't go from like Infinity War to Endgame. Yeah, you know? yeah. It, it it feels like though when when you look at the Dark Knight Rises and something like Spider Man Three of the that original trilogy. It almost feels like there's just that leftover momentum from the mm-hmm. second films that are making everybody go. And I don't know, you guys can t- t- tell me if I'm wrong. This isn't a beloved film. I think it's people who have their, its defenders and people who don't like it and people who are met on it. But it it doesn't it's not the one that you would say, oh, if you want to watch a Nolan Batman movie, this is the one to watch. And I think it's right. the same thing with Spider-Man Three. I mean, we I love Sam Raimi, but I there's a lot of elements to that film that don't work. But it, it when you look at the box office, it made a lot of money, but I don't think it's a well loved or well remembered film. And I think that's yeah. where this film right. lives. Well, and also yeah. something that Clayton and I talk about a lot on the on the Bo Boys is movie stars. And yeah. the biggest movie star going today, you know, it's close. It could be, you could say it's Leo DiCaprio. He is as as big of a, uh, you know, a, a movie star, doesn't need IP, everything he does a hit. But probably the biggest movie star in the world is Joker. Mm-hmm. Joker is the guy. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, you had the original Burton Batman had Joker in it. Mm-hmm. Dark Knight had the biggest movie star in the world that had Joker. Dark Knight Rises does not have Joker. Yeah. You know, so I think that's the, and of course, what does have Joker? Joker. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's a billion dollar Which, baby worldwide. Right. Right. Billion dollar baby. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that is, you know, that is the thing when you think about this movie, Christian Bale, big star, but he's not a movie star at the level of Joker. This movie was missing Joker. Great take. Yeah. And factual, actually. <laughs> you got the numbers <laughs> to back it up. So, um, we got the box office rundown. Now, let's take a trip down memory lane, and let's recall that in 2005, David S. Goyer, before uh, Batman Begins was released, he wrote treatments for two movies. So, the, the, the sequel had uh, Joker in it, of course, and it would involve Batman, Harvey Dent, and Commissioner Gordon hunting the Joker, um, while the second would have the Joker scarring Dent and turning him into Two-Face during his trial. So that was David Goyer's like original 
arc of the series. Mm-hmm. Um, then, of course, Heath Ledger tragically dies, and they're not able to move forward with anything, but they did plan on, they wanted to make a third movie that would have included a Joker, which is a, a fun idea, I think, for how how well they set up that Joker and stuff. Like, I'm not interested in seeing multiple Jared Leto Jokers, mm-hmm. but a Heath Ledger Joker, rack them up for me. Yeah. I think that's like hanging over Dark Knight Rises is that... Definitely. It's obvious Nolan was planning on a Joker story for this movie, and I don't yeah. think he ever found the replacement for that. You know, and I like... Yeah. I differ from Clayton. I like the Hardy Bane. It's I think it's cool... We all, me and my friends all did the voices for, you know, it was our new Austin <laughs> Powers. Bane was the new Borat. We all did. I was born in the darkness. Like, that's fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it was, it makes so much more sense, this third movie, if it is about the Joker still fucking mm-hmm. with him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's, what's interesting is I feel like um, it simultaneously is the smartest thing they did and the, the least smart thing they did. Because they made the movie kind of tying together mostly Batman Begins mm. and this movie, going through the raw stuff, which I, I really like. I think it's cool. But at the same time, they ignore the Joker stuff, which is, it's like, I feel like it was so close to Heath Ledger's death still that it I, it would have come off as disrespectful, I think, if they right. were talking about the Joker or if they said something like, oh, he died in prison or something like I hate when they do that in movies because someone was recast and they just kind of go, eh, whoops, something happened off screen. Well, Clayton, what's the most what's the most famous egregious example of of that? Oh, it's Independence Day Resurrection where Will Smith is only shown in a photo on the wall (laughs) and his son, I believe, mentions that he died in a test flight yeah not a, a mission. test flight not a mission we're not talking a mission we're talking a test flight a test flight we're talking practice we're talking practice that is so disrespectful to will smith as a star and that yeah. character whatever that character's name is because i only think of him as will smith in space because he's a star and that's what you think but that is a disrespectful yeah. way and it is okay so you didn't give him enough money to come back for this sequel mm-hmm. that's the issue here uh, so, but yeah that was ridiculous so yeah you're right micah it is good that nolan didn't do that and didn't have someone toss off a line it's like oh remember joker who died in like a practice <laughs> prank <laughs> in be- you know remember a year ago when when joker like accidentally blew himself up setting up a hospital <laughs> explosion mm-hmm. like that would have been disrespect so i do give nolan respect for respecting the stardom of joker yeah mm-hmm. yeah but um so contrary to what you both are saying and and we have to believe this we have to mm-hmm. nolan only agreed to do a third film based on it being a worthwhile story mm-hmm. and if he if it was uh unnecessary he wasn't going to do it so that proves you both wrong right yeah. there well he also well, you know, said tenant would bring back the domestic <laughs> box office so. oh yeah <laughs> you know i don't know how much i trust christopher nolan famously the dead horse of the bo boys because we beat on him so often mm-hmm. yes rightfully so i mean he 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 didn't care about public health 
And then he got really mad at Warner Brothers when they said the day and date, and it was like, you lost your privilege after yep. Tenet bombed. Yeah, exactly. Although, I do like that movie, but I get people not liking it, and I think they're also right. Mm-hmm. Um, well, guys, it's coming to HBO Max May 1st, so oh. people are going to be clambering to see that movie after how many months it's been out? Yeah. That is ridiculous <laughs> that he they waited that long for it to go to the worst streaming service. I believe Nolan referred to HBO Max as right when they I did think the, so. when they make the announcement for the day and date for all the releases in twenty twenty one. Christopher Nolan said that those movies are going to be all going to the worst streaming service. So now your movie's on the worst streaming service. There you go, Nolan. <laughs> well, and let me. Because we're 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 digging into Nolan, as, mm-hmm. as you know, listener, we we love Nolan, but he is not a perfect man. Yes, and we should not herald him as the greatest because every artist takes after other artists, and sometimes people pretend like Nolan, you know, isn't Michael Mann, but he's Michael Mann at doing sci-fi. You know, we we should know this. Um, but let's talk about his 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 IMAX obsession. So in Dark Knight. He shoots in IMAX, and there's 28 minutes in The Dark Knight. Then there's no IMAX in Inception, which I was surprised to learn. Hmm. And then in this movie, there's over one hour of IMAX. Then he goes on for 75% in Dunkirk. Um, I couldn't find any percentage estimates on Interstellar. And then Tenet's around 50%. Because, again, you have to dub everything when when it's an IMAX shot because you can't capture audio. The cameras are too loud. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I think this kind of speaks to both what I love and don't like about him because it's like, you know, he shoots these IMAX. They look amazing. The, the plane sequence at the beginning of this movie is amazing. It looks so unbelievable. But at the same time, then he puts these weird things where it's like, you have to project my movie a certain way or I'm going to make Tenet and make everything inaudible. And only if you have a perfect IMAX stereo system will you be able to understand what's happening in the movie. I don't think that's necessarily smart filmmaking, personally. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, it's, it is kind of cool. It's exclusionary in a way that I think it doesn't, it doesn't really help his artistry. I don't, I don't think there's any reasoning for it other than sure. it's just what he wants to do, which is great. Artists should be artists. But mm. there is a level of well, is this a is this a blockbuster tentpole movie? It is. So you, I'm not saying dumb it down, and I'm not saying don't make artistic choices, but I'm also saying that you need to make it available to more people than you you are, and you can't talk shit about the people who don't have the perfect surroundings to watch this film, right? And one of the reasons yeah. we're talking about how he doesn't care about public safety, and it's partly joking, but partly not, because when they released Tenet. And the drive-ins were available for screens. He would not allow drive-ins in areas where the hardtop theaters were closed. So he wouldn't let you see Tenant in the New York area because he didn't want you to see it on a drive-in movie screen, which at the time was the safest way to see his film. Mm -hmm. That shows disrespect for a public health crisis when yeah it's honestly we love movies listen we wouldn't be talking about this movie if we didn't love movies but it is just a movie and this is a unique circumstance and he doesn't care about goodwill i guess 
at all because I feel like if he said release it everywhere, the goodwill mm. that he would have would be off the charts. But now he just seems like the cranky old guy who's like, everything has to be to my specifications or it's like you didn't even see my movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think for with with all of that, too, it was like, OK, so does Tenet like I don't really want to see that movie now. And then when we did see it with all of that stuff surrounding it, it's like, well, this movie just kind of feels like uh, too high class for me because he was trying so hard to make it so like his way. And it, like it did cloud my, mo- my movie watching experience of that. Yeah. Because he was just like, basically, no normal people can watch my movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and when you look at someone so- like Tarantino, who he does have showings of his movies in the format he would prefer, but also... Uh, you know, he's a guy who worked at a video store, so he realizes that y- you might not have been able to see the red balloon in a theater, but if you had a VHS of it, you could still experience the artistry of it and yeah. someday be able to see it on the screen. And it's it's an experience, and I think Nolan doesn't feel that way. He doesn't he doesn't yeah. seem like one of the people, which I don't think artists need to be, but you got to be more of a person than Nolan is. It it would have yeah. it would have helped Nolan I think if he had had you know I don't know his what his summer jobs were when he was a kid but I feel like he didn't have that. He he if he had had a year working at a blockbuster or maybe hawking bootleg DVDs off a blanket in Times Square, you know, had some of that <laughs> in his background, I think he would be uh, a, a much better filmmaker than he is. Mm-hmm. But uh, my guess is, you know, Nolan, again, I'm just guessing probably private school education all the way through and, you know, Warren Ascot as a teenager. And <laughs> he you was know, summering his, at the beach. And summering yeah. at the beach. And I, and, and I yeah. think if Nolan had just done a summer at, you know, a video store that had the beaded you know, adult film section in the back. I think he'd be a better person and a better filmmaker. Oh yeah. It's like, I think everyone for a short amount of time, however, should work in like a coffee shop customer mm-hmm. service because as someone who has worked in a coffee shop and been treated so poorly by people, it's like, okay, well, if you had ever worked a day in this situation, you would not be talking to me like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Be a maitre d' at a movie theater. Yeah. (laughs) But having said that, Nolan, you're always welcome on the podcast, and we know that you listen. We're assuming. (laughs) We're pretty sure. He listens to the B.O. Boys, so he definitely is going to listen to this episode at the very least. (laughs) And it's constructive criticism. I I still love Tenet, okay? I love your movies. (laughs) So, you know, come on, talk to us about IMAX, tell us that every other format is bad, get on here. Um. So I got one more thing that I want to say, and then we'll jump into actors. Um, I don't know if you to remember this, but when the movie, so he shoots the, you know, it's like the first six minutes of the movie are in IMAX. And this is like one of the, you know, you have the Dark Knight, and then you have this for like, we can shoot like blockbuster movies in this format. Watch this. So he gets the six minute prologue and he shows it to filmmakers and stuff. They're special in like IMAX theaters. They're showing this before movies. And everyone is saying, I can't understand a single word that Bane is saying. The way it's mixed, the way he's speaking and stuff, they're like, I, I don't get it. I don't know what he's saying. So then they go in and Tom Hardy redubs all the Bane voice and they mix it differently. 
And this is my thesis. This is the beginning of Nolan's weird obsession to sound. Because every movie after this, there's always something, sometimes it works, like in Dunkirk, I think it's great that the movie's way too loud because it's a war movie. Mm-hmm. But in Tenet, and even though I I'm an, I love Interstellar so, 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 so very much, it does get, if you're at home, you have to have your volume knob on your in your hand. Or and, turn on the subtitles. Yeah, and you got to be going back and forth the whole movie. That's just how those two movies are. So I think this is the nexus point where that all begins. Bane's voice. So that test, now, that test audience was his Joker. You know, that, that, is, <laughs> that is when, when Nolan's parents were killed and he had to eventually don the cape of what would turn into Tenant. Yes, yes. I mean, he does make sense as a Bruce Wayne, um, arc, like, uh, a character. Just, yeah, he uh, seems like a real life Bruce Wayne. Yeah, just like a rich guy who spends all of this money to like <laughs> make up for like a, uh, an injustice that happened to him like years and years ago. <laughs> and Chris, you're welcome on the show. We love you. Of course, of course. Uh, I'm sorry. I feel like his main influence for sound mixing is whoever does the musical guests on SNL. <laughs> Because it's very similar in that they've been doing that film, that move, that 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 movie. They've been doing that show for forty six years, and they can't make a musical guest sound halfway decent. Wow, I love it. Uh, you yeah. you may have cracked the case. I don't know that guy's name, but 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 let's 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 figure it out. Season what is it? Season forty seven coming up, and it's the end of forty six. Season forty seven coming up. Let's fix it for that. Just it's let totally the bands have their own people come in and do it. Yeah, why not? But I think that's like contractually not allowed or something weird yeah. like that. Yeah, it's probably the same guy who was eating the Permani Brothers sandwich doing the knobs. He's just like, <laughs> oh, it definitely is. Fries falling out of it, coleslaw falling on the mixing board. All right, Jordan, hit us. Okay, there's only a couple, a uh, couple so, newbies. Yeah, so we we have not covered Joseph Gordon-Levitt. We haven't, no. So Joseph Gordon-Levitt plays Blake, or later to find out, Robin. What? Uh-huh. Um, he is in, of course, Angels in the Outfield. Right? Did I say that to, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, sorry. I was just blanking. <laughs> um, he's also in, of course, Inception, Looper, Dear John. 500 50, Days 50, of Summer. 500 Days of Summer. Blah, 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 blah. He's in so much. He's great. Um, And then Marion Cotillard. I think is how you say it, but I could be wrong about that. Okay. Um, she is also in Inception. Uh, she's also in The Immigrant. She's in Doolittle, <laughs> Angel Face, uh, Rock and Roll. A French actor, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, if, you, if you couldn't pick that up watching the movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we also have Anne Hathaway, uh, of course, Princess Diaries, um, Les, Les Miserables. Colossal, Lockdown, that one from a couple years. Oh, she's in Ocean's Eight. Yeah. I mean, you even have what was the one? The Intern with uh with Bobby. Yeah. Bobby De Niro. Yeah. And then of course also Tom Hardy who plays Bane. Um, I think this uh, is like his big break. Yeah. Right? This was when my sister was like, "Oh, I I'm in love with Tom Hardy." <laughs> yeah. Um, the rest is history for her. So he's also in Locke, also Inception, Mad Max, of course, 
and Peaky Blinders and Venom, among several other things as well. Because yeah, he, he, you know, he's a British actor, and he he did really well over there. And then he does, um, is it Refn that he does a couple of his movies? He does, um, uh, uh, what's that? Bronson. Oh, Bronson. Yeah. Which have you guys seen Bronson? I have. Yeah, I like I like that a lot. I I love Tom Hardy, and yeah. Yeah, I think you're right because it was Inception was like his big Hollywood breakout, mm-hmm. and this was yeah. probably, I mean, definitely his the biggest movie he's he had ever been in at that point. Definitely. Well, the the the, the, uh, the Inception was like, who's this guy? He's mm-hmm. cool. And then Dark Knight was Rises was like, oh, that's Tom Hardy. We all know him and love him. Yes. Right? Yeah. Is is the is the bridge there? And then Venom makes him a full-blown movie star, right? Well, I think Mad Max does. Because then Venom comes after that. That's true. Yeah, another true. another film where he is muzzled for a lot of it and kind of plays second fiddle, oh. but that's part of the charm of it, I feel like. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. the charm of his Mad Max yeah. is that he doesn't do much. Uh, right. But, but he's okay to be these kind of side characters even when he's supposed to be the main character. Well, yeah, I mean, Dark Knight Rises is the beginning of his mask trilogy because mm-hmm. you have Dark Knight Rises, Mad Max, and then he finishes it off with Dunkirk. Yes. Okay. It's so weird he's in Dunkirk. Like like Yeah. There's no, like I could have been in Dunkirk. Like no one's really no one's really <laughs> in Dunkirk. Yeah. You know, it, <laughs> I, it's so crazy that they even bothered paying a star to be in it cuz like no one's really visible in the movie. Sure. I just feel like if you make a war movie, you have to saturate it with famous people. Mm-hmm. I just, they're always well, full of them. And you know who's in that movie? Who's in it? Mark Rylance. Uh huh. We love him. Oh, Mark He's Rylance in is in that. I, yep. I would say I've got, uh, I don't, I don't like, yeah, I don't like Dunkirk. I feel like I don't want to come off as like a hater on <laughs> Nolan. Yeah. I don't hate him. I just, he's our dead horse, you know? And we, yeah. we just got to do what we do with a dead horse. And I think there is a level of he's not our guy. Not he's not our one guy. of our guys. Not one of our and guys. And that's okay. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Um, what do you guys think of Anne Hathaway in this movie? I really like her performance. I do too. I, I think, think she's she great. she's able to do kind of a new take on Catwoman as opposed to like copying Michelle Pfeiffer. Mm-hmm. And I kept thinking, because there's, there's quite a few action scenes where the camera's just static on her. It's not cutting. And it's clearly her. And I'm like, where is her atomic blonde? Mm-hmm. She's got the moves. She needs her taken or something. Yeah. I like, I like, I listen, I like Anne Hathaway a lot. I feel like she gets a lot of, a lot of crap. People hate her just cause, I don't know. She, I guess she's other people's dead horse. So, you know, God bless <laughs> them. I don't want to take away any dead horses from people, but course, I like no. her a lot. I feel like. That's one of the problems, though, of this movie is Nolan doesn't really know what to do with this Catwoman that he created because mm-hmm. he created a Catwoman whose whole thing is like she's Bernie Catwoman. You know, she's like uh, uh, like uh, uh, because this was like obviously a lot of Occupy Wall Street stuff in this movie. And yeah. Catwoman yeah. is supposed to be a, like steal from the rich, give to the poor, bring down right. the corporations. 
But I feel like he, A, he doesn't have a take on that in this movie. Like, it's all muddled, his, like, you know, uh, economic stuff. And then he doesn't really use Catwoman in a clear way. Because in the end of this movie, she's just like, actually, the rich guy is who I love. And mm-hmm. I'm, that's a good point. It's and it's like there there could have been a great version of this where Catwoman is a really important character, but I don't think he nails it. But I think Hathaway's really good. She always tries. Yeah I, yeah, I think she's the kind of person that gets knocked for trying. She always tries, and mm-hmm. I think, like you said, Atomic Blonde, that kind of film. She would get in such incredible shape and get all of the fight choreography down pat because she always mm-hmm. tries. And I think that you see this in the in the movie that she's she's really committed to trying to be what Nolan wants this character to be. But like Pat said, Nolan doesn't have a good idea of what this character is. Yeah, I I think that's an interesting like, especially with how her character ends up. Because it's like, so she's just with Bruce. I, I mean, it's like she is kind of like a selfish character trying to serve herself. I don't, but like at the part of the movie when like the, basically the poor are taking over the rich and people are like going through everyone's house and she seems unhappy about it. Mm-hmm. it. It is like, okay, so is this not what you wanted? Because this is kind of what you've been fighting for. Well, yeah, her friend even says, yeah, this is what you've always wanted. And she, I think she just says not like this. Yeah. It's, I think that is, you know, not, I, I think that's one of the real problems with this movie is I don't understand Nolan's take. He like opened up a Pandora's box of like, this movie is going to be playing with all this Occupy imagery and it's going to be about, you know, economic upheaval. And in the end, his take is sort of, Oh, but maybe, maybe the rich people are right. I guess it's, it's, it's a weird muddled take where the movie ends with the like uprisers being beaten to death by the rich guy and the police. And then, and then like the, the Catwoman Robin Hood figure is like, Ooh, I'm going to go to France with the rich guy, which I guess makes sense for Nolan who never worked at a video <laughs> store mm-hmm. and, you know, never. And just like he grew up wearing an ascot uh, from when he was a baby. So I guess it does make sense, but it's kind of a, you know, the way he sets us up is like Bane's kind of the hero. I'm pro Bane. Yeah, it is. Ideologically, the movie is, is like Shrek. I mean, there's a lot of layers to it mm-hmm. and it's hard to kind of figure out because it does feel like the resolution is well as long as as long as the rich people and whatnot are are nice we're all we're set we're mm-hmm. good um but i don't know may, maybe maybe another way to read it is that you know maybe we agree with bane on all this stuff but he's taking it too far he's lost humanity you know right it's it's kind of like he he left it which could be a knock, could be good. I don't know. It's like he left it in such a way that you can kind of watch it and you can make it fit what you want it to say. Mm-hmm. Which can be kind of a dangerous thing. I don't know. That's that's weird. And that's why we're talking about it. <laughs> it's yeah. It's it's but I think that's that's where 
uh, the Catwoman character doesn't get to be great in this movie because her her motivations are so sort of muddled. And I yeah. think in the end kind of don't really ring true to what they set up at the beginning. Yeah. Well, and, and we have the classic trope that Jordan pointed out um, a little while ago where Bruce Wayne visits her at her apartment and she says, it's not much. And it's like the biggest apartment I've ever seen. With, like, <laughs> yeah. Persian rugs. yeah. And it looks really nice. It just looks like she needs to open a window. It's like this nice, like bohemian looking apartment. (laughs) And it's like, you're supposed to be poor. Don't like, if you were poor, you probably wouldn't have pictures to hang on the wall. (laughs) But you have artwork in here, but she probably stole it. Okay. But still, I guess. Yeah. We could assume she stole all those rugs, but Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that'd be a tough, tough hijack for it. Frankly. I mean, she could do it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so let's let's dig into the plot. So the movie begins, and we have, just as the others, we have the bat symbol, shows up through ice. It's winter in Gotham, and we see a little bit of Harvey Dent's, um, not funeral, but it's his, it's going to well, be. Well, it didn't hit, well. It, it, it just shows, it shows Harvey Dent's, you know, because um, they have Harvey Dent Day now. God, yeah. They're celebrating Harvey Dent. They love this goddamn district attorney it's such a yeah. it's such a weird <laughs> conceit in this trilogy where like the biggest celebrity in this town is a da it's like yeah <laughs> if i if i put a gun to every new yorker's head i would end up shooting most of them if they had to answer who's the <laughs> district attorney who's the lead da no one knows who that but gotham loves this guy they love him yeah yeah I, it, to me, it's just like, this is such a comic book thing mm-hmm, that people totally, would be so yeah. invested in the, like a, a person who legally fights crime, yeah, yeah. I guess. And, and this, this, I really, really like, mm-hmm. I like the Harvey Dent stuff. I like that, you know, they passed this act and they were able to lock away all these prisoners in Blackgate and it's all based on a lie. Mm-hmm. Cause I think that's a nice payoff to how Dark Knight ends. Mm-hmm. Uh, once again, I don't know what he is trying to say by like overcrowding prisons. It feels like there could be something there, Mm -hmm. but I don't know if that's his stance that he's trying to make that like the prison system is bad because they wanted this to happen. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's goes right into what you're saying where it's like, ideologically, this is a confusing movie. Mm Kind of like just pick a lane. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, so then, so there, you know, we see that funeral and then. We go to the plane scene. Now, I don't care what anyone says. This plane scene is beautiful. Mm-hmm. I love this. They, they. I was watching all the special features, and that's a real plane. It's, uh, you know, they do have to do some compositing, but they do have like they have a built plane on the ground that they can flip, so that the actors can literally be in that tunneled area. Mm-hmm. They have a real plane. They have real guys coming down onto this plane. I mean, this is like Mission Impossible level stuff. I yeah. love it. I love it. Tom was probably one of those guys. <laughs> coming down? Yeah. Oh, Tom Cruise? Yeah. 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 It's just too yeah. much fun for him not to be involved in. He was like, ah, we're not shooting this month for yeah. uh, for Mission Impossible. I need to stay in shape. Well, I think um, I think he, he was just flying down in a scene from a Mission Impossible movie that was filming in the yeah. same airspace. <laughs> Yeah, and and almost, and he just sees other yeah other guys on cables like oh I think like I'll just help him yeah he he brought his <laughs> own cable he always yeah. brings his own cable <laughs> <laughs> and so this scene's crazy 
they they blow up like the to- the 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 tail of this plane and bane drops down they it's very convoluted but, but it's already in the plane oh he, yes he is there's the whole thing where you know if you take off the mask it would be very painful for you yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> um I'm into it. I'm sitting there and I'm like, I feel like I'm reading a comic book. This rules. I love the first love scene. I love Bane. I think Bane is awesome in this. Yeah. Um, and and so they put a body down there and they take Dr. Pavel, who's this nuclear f- physicist, you know, and we're going to, I mean, we got to talk Pavel, of course. And they put his blood into the body. They drop the plane. That shot is insane. Yeah. Um, and then that's going to set up the events of the yeah. movie. And then um, now we're back at, because it did just like a little shot of Harvey Dent's com- commemoration. Now we're back at that area. And, you know, we're at Wayne Manor. He's a recluse. We're, we're getting into Frank Miller, Dark Knight Returns kind of stuff where he's not Batman anymore. And it's been eight years. What do you guys think of, of Bruce Wayne not being Batman anymore? I mean, I think personally, like, as the the character probably, w- I mean, from what I know of Batman, I mean, his obsession is, like, if he's not Batman, he's not Bruce Wayne. Like, the whole, and not to go back to the whole Michael Keaton of it, but Michael Keaton's whole thing was, Bruce Wayne is the mask. Batman is yes. the real person, and, you know, Bruce Wayne is the mask. and And I just feel like, Eight years, the reason, not to spoil Dark Knight, uh, the Miller Dark Knight, but it's because of what happened to Robin is why he retires. It's like a huge tragedy. Mm-hmm. And and hear him not being Batman for eight years, I don't know if it necessarily like fits his character. Well, do recall that uh, his the woman he loved was murdered in the last film. Oh, that yeah, that's true. Okay, yeah. so that makes sense. Yeah, I'd totally be enough for me, that. but I'm no Bruce Wayne. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that's fine. I think what didn't work for me about the retired Batman plot, and this is, they knew this was going to be the last one, and the end point they get to in this is that Batman retires, right? And <laughs> yeah, so they yeah. start this movie with the problem being Batman is retired, you know? Yeah. And so it's, to me, it's always a weird structure where it's like, we start with him not wanting to be Batman. And then he gets to the place in the end where he doesn't be Batman anymore, which, and I get like, in the end, he chooses it out of happiness. And at the beginning, he's there out of like sadness, but it almost would have made more sense to me if like, this movie is about him realizing, yeah, I'm an, I'm a nut and I got to be a nut to the day I die. And I'm always going to be Batman. You know, it, it, yeah. it was always weird in this, that it's like, he starts retired and he ends retired where I'm like, all right, totally. well then, and, and, and most of the movie he's, he's in a bed. So it's like, <laughs> it's such a, it's such a weird inert Batman in this movie where it's like, he's retired. He's in a bed he comes back for a fight, then he's retired again. I'm like, all right, just, you know what? Maybe we should have just let this guy chill out the whole time. You know, I'm realizing that this movie is is kind of, I like this, I like it a lot more than Batman Returns, 
But it kind of is that thing where it's like, there's a lot of plot. It's really insane. And it's just a weird movie. There's it's so a much lot plot. weirder than you think it is. Yeah. And then you, you watch Dark Knight Rise and you're like, this is strange. You watch Batman Returns and you're like, this is weird. This is so wild. Yeah. I mean, it's not quite as balls to the walls as Batman Returns, obviously. Oh, Batman but- Returns is so awesome. I fucking love that movie so much. I love that it's about the penguin becoming the mayor. It's that's like, yeah, that's the greatest villain plot ever. Is I'm gonna be the mayor, <laughs> and then shit's really gonna be nuts. We love Cobblepot. I'd vote yeah. for Cobblepot. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and he's a viable candidate. Uh huh. Yes. He makes just as much sense. Listen, I live in New York. And we're about to have fucking Andrew Yang end up being the mayor. Send me the penguin. <laughs> We'd vote penguin. No, penguin. Uh, I get it. I get I get why the people voted for penguin. As a New Yorker, you get it. As a New Yorker, I get it. <laughs> yeah, as a, 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 on the Pacific Coast, uh, you know, I'm more of a Mr. Freeze voter, I yes. would say, you know. Yeah, you, <laughs> I you think like him cool freeze. and laid back. We like just like short yeah. and angry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And o- um, and always in pajamas, stumbling the streets in yeah, pajamas, right? With like oil coming out of his mouth. Yeah, if he won't eat your babies, he won't do the dirty work that needs to be done to be mayor. Yeah, you New York needs someone as ruthless as that. Yeah, we need those Mr. Subways. Freeze to just keep things cool. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So now we we get intro to Catwoman. Uh, you, okay. why, don't, why don't you take over a little bit here? Well, she is uh, like one of the servers at this thing, and she is told to go give dinner to Bruce, and she st- lingers longer than she's supposed to mm-hmm. and meets Bruce, and that's when we see Bruce, and we've been talking. He's got a cane. He limps. He's got bad facial hair. Uh, he's, he's a sad person. He looks pretty bad. They did a good job. He looks bad. I think the facial hair looks weird. Uh, makeup wise. Oh, I think oh, the sure, facial sure. hair looks he just kind of he looks weird. thin and gaunt and Sure. And as we know, Christian Bale loves physically altering his appearance himself. <laughs> and then the makeup people can do the rest. But um yeah, she she steals his some pearls from his safe and also gets his fingerprints and yes. jumps out of the window like a cat. That's yes. that's about it for the her introduction. We don't get much. She kicks right. his cane away, which was cool. That's that's a he ruthless does. move. Yeah. yeah. She never is referred to as Catwoman, right? They never say Catwoman right. in this. No. Yeah, that's a it's the weird Nolan thing in this trilogy where he's always fighting against what these movies are. You know, yeah. where it's like yeah. uh it's like in the end, no matter how you set up Bruce Wayne and his motivations and Oh, it's not really a bat suit. It's this rubber, you know, army suit or whatever he puts on. It's like, listen, dude, in the end, this guy's Batman and she's Catwoman. And just fucking accept that you're not making heat. You're making a Batman movie. Mm -hmm. The the thing to keep in mind, though, I think, and and since we've been going through the Batman conglomerate, Mm -hmm. is that people were so burned by Batman and Robin, mm-hmm. that they they needed this to not be cartoony. Yeah. Now, by Dark Knight Rises time, I think you can loosen up a little bit. You can call someone Catwoman. Yes. Although when I was a senior in high school and this comes out, I'm like, Catwoman's in this? That sounds cheap. Because 
Of course, when you're a high schooler, you think cheesy is bad. Right. Mm -hmm. But now I watch Batman and Robin, and I'm like, this is one heck of a ride, and I like this movie. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, in this, for her costume, they even go so far as, like, she has, like, those night vision goggles, and when she puts them up on their head, it's, like, cat ears. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But that's, like, the only time she looks like a cat person. Which I, I dig it. I think I, it, I think it. it's fun, but I I do kind of think like it is like we're just not going to call her. We're only going to call her Selena like yeah. the whole time. And, th- and there not is say say what it is. There there is a bit of of what you're saying, Pat. Where it, there there's a fighting against the material. Right. Just have a newspaper Definitely. headline say Catwoman terrorizes you know with burglaries, and then yeah. and then yeah. he's like, hey, you Catwoman, and she's like, sure, I guess I'm Catwoman. Yeah, because she can be dubbed that by the media. It's not like she has to be like, I named myself Catwoman. It could be right. like, yeah, sure. the media calls her Catwoman. Right. So, uh, yeah. Right. The same way it was like the New York Post would call Michael Jackson Wacko Jacko. Mm-hmm. And that's then eventually name. it sticks, and that's what everyone called him. You know? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, we need a cut to J. Jonah Jameson where he's saying, give me a name for this guy, this mm-hmm. girl. Right, right. And... You know, they're suggesting names. The rest is history. Right. You know, the the greatest comic book character ever put to film, J. Jonah Jameson, <laughs> played by the great J.K. Simmons. Uh, where's his Oscar <laughs> for for J.D.? Um, okay, so let's... So Bruce and Alfred are talking, and Alfred is very much like, I, I wish that you would become a person again, and I have this dream every time I go on vacation in France, mm-hmm. I go to this cafe, and I just wish I could see you there. We wouldn't speak, and I'd see you maybe with a wife, maybe mm-hmm. with kids, and I, I just wish you could learn to live. And of course, Bruce is like, but Rachel died. I can't, I can't move on. Yeah. To yeah. which Alfred's like, any woman, just marry or go on a date <laughs> yeah, with yeah. any woman. That's fine with me. Kind of like a parent. Just like, you need to get out of the house. Yeah. <laughs> You're bothering me. You don't have to get married now. Just have yeah. some fun, Brucey. <laughs> yeah. And then um, we have Gordon under Gotham. That's my note. And I'm trying to remember what that so, means. Okay, so when <laughs> Selena leaves the, the Bruce Manor, she takes the senator with her. And she basically kidnapped him for a couple days. Yeah. As a, I think it's the same night. No, I think it's been a couple days because it's in the news. Fine. Like he he never came home that night. I'll it was in it. the news, and she goes to meet with that one guy. I can't remember what his name, what his character name is, but she sells the fingerprints. Bruce Wayne's fingerprints. Yes, yeah. and she has the senator there as uh like if you don't give me what you owe me, you're gonna get in trouble for kidnapping him, kind of thing. Yeah. And then gunfire. And she does some nice stunt choreography. Yeah. And, and I like her acting a lot too in the scene where she's like like damsel in distress and then she's moving again. Yeah, when she's screaming as the SWAT guys walk next to her and stuff. I'm all about it. Yeah. And I'm saying, give her her taken. Mm-hmm. She needs to be a Liam Neeson type. Sure. To me. <laughs> but but, but the, the shootout ends up under in the sewers. That's right. And then um, Gordon is captured by a couple of Bane cronies. Mm-hmm. And he's able to escape just barely. And but then, he's very injured. Yeah, he's going to be in the hospital for... Most of this movie. Most of the movie. It's a very bedridden movie. <laughs> it is. Yes. It's, it's about getting older. Everybody's like, I'm too old for this. Everybody is... Um, 
Oh my gosh, Danny Glover in the Lethal Weapon movies mm-hmm. in this movie. They're just too old. Or they're, or they're like James Caan in Misery. Everyone is just in a, in a hospital bed the entire movie. They should have they wheeled Gordon and, and Batman together so at least they could talk while they're both in bed the whole movie. <laughs> yeah, Gotham is like Kathy Bates. They, yep. She won't let them go. Yes. When clearly no one should be living in this city. Yes. Yeah, it is time to hightail and run at this point. Um, so then we're introduced to Mr. Joseph Gordon-Levitt himself. Blake. Blake. And he he's starting to kind of, he's, he's piecing things together throughout the whole movie. He's, he's hearing about how young people are going to the sewers. Because <laughs> 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 there's work one of those down things there. I accept, but now that I'm talking with you who aren't as fond of the movie, that's a crack in the pavement. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, they're saying that times are tough and uh, there, there's work in the sewers. Yeah. So I mean, for orphans who age out. <laughs> <laughs> and there's pizza down there too, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this would have been the perfect time for a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles crossover uh-huh. event. <laughs> Open up the universe. Cowabunga, um, Batman. What are you doing? <laughs> no, but they wouldn't be referred to as the Ninja Turtles by Nolan, though, because he would have to right. play them off as something else. Yes. Call me by my middle and- name, Donatello. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the turtle who has been known by Phil for three and a half hours. <laughs> right. And their shells wouldn't be, lo- they're not like actually turtles, no. but their shells are just like. They're protective army combat yeah. material. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, but they're they're still ninjas, and they still have to eat pizza. Yes, of course. But but that's all winky for for those who get it, you know. <laughs> yeah, and and you have to see these nunchucks only in IMAX. Yes. Of, well, come on, of course, <laughs> they can only be witnessed in IMAX. You can't see them anywhere else. They're deleted from every other release. <laughs> yeah. When is Nolan gonna sell his own pair of glasses? Where only you can see the full movie if you wear his glasses. It would also probably be certain headphones, and you only yeah. you could understand what's being said. Oh, it's going to be a whole helmet situation. It's going to be a yeah. whole uh, eye and helmet situation. You have to buy specifically from Nolan. Yeah, and it, it sounds like a Cinco product. Yeah, <laughs> he would be like the new Dr. Dre with Beats. These would be like Nolan headphones. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's a great, that is such I'm, a great cash in. I, I love, listen, I don't, I don't like Nolan, but I would love if he just scammed everybody and sold them just old <laughs> broken Beats headphones as like, this is the only way to listen to Dunkirk. I'm, I'm sort of surprised that he hasn't done like the thing Tarantino did with Hateful Eight when it came out where like only in IMAX can you watch like 10 extra minutes of the movie mm-hmm, or like mm-hmm. these extended versions, which actually would maybe give him some some goodwill again. Mm-hmm. If it was like, that's the special thing. You can see this like six minute IMAX sequence only in IMAX, mm-hmm. but but the regular movie can be seen everywhere else. Right. Maybe that's an idea. Right. Where it's like you can make it an event if you want to, but everyone can still watch the movie. Right. Yeah, it's like it's like an album with bonus tracks. If if you're not a huge yeah. huge fan, you don't need the bonus tracks. But if you if you want them, you there's an opportunity to get them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. 
but we're back in we're back in Gotham, guys. We're in, we're in Gotham, and um, this is when so so Blake visits Bruce because mm-hmm. he's telling him, you know, you're not you're not taking care of the orphanage anymore, and he knows he's Batman, and because I know of you're experience. Batman. Yeah, pretty much. And um, Gordon's in the hospital. What are we gonna do? Yeah. And so then Bruce goes, okay, I'm gonna try a couple things. He goes to the hospital. He is the the doctor is Thomas Lennon, which was shocking, but uh-huh. kind of cool. Um, and he he's basically like, "You're too old for this. You can't do this sort of thing." Then he puts on a little little uh, balaclava, jumps down to Gordon's area, and talks to Gordon for a little while. Basically about like what needs to be done. I'm in. I love that. Mm-hmm. I love all that. But he also during this time finds out that he's broke. Because he goes to Lucius. Yeah. No, right? he's not broke yet because uh, Bane... No, but he's broke because he's not funding... There, there's no revenue coming into Wayne Enterprises. Yes. So he's bas- he's just about broke. Finds that out from Lucius, and then Lucius shows him the bat. The bat. Yes, which we will find out is the the um, bat jet or whatever. You know, we can't call it the bat jet, of Mm-mm. course. It's just called the bat. No. Um, and the autopilot is is busted. Yes. And they they keep on talking about the autopilot throughout the movie, mm-hmm. and this is like so the 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 whole thing about him fixing the autopilot is one of those things where it's like if you don't like the ending of Interstellar, you probably don't like that he fixed the autopilot. But if you do like the ending of Interstellar, him fixing the autopilot's pretty cool, <laughs> and I'm one of those people. <laughs> well, Interstellar's my favorite of his films. I I really did oh, love great. Interstellar. Yeah, Interstellar. I think about a lot even though i don't think it's a perfect movie obviously it's like so expansive but i do like that movie of all his stuff that's my favorite i i think oh that's cool that that movie i mean that is it's i i'm not ashamed to say it but it is my favorite movie i just love it so much but i i like other movies too i'm not only nolan we know this by now yeah but it is my favorite and it is a weird movie because I will say that, and some people are just like jaw dropped. Like, how in the world is that your favorite movie? No, there's just and so I'm just much. Like, every time I watch it, I don't have a single problem with it. There's just so and much I to love interact. Space. Yeah, there's so much to interact <laughs> yeah. with in that film. Yeah, yeah. Um. So now let's talk about the stock market scene. Okay. We get a lot of great IMAX shots again. Uh, by the way, when you rented the movie, did it change aspect ratio when it was IMAX, or was it all widescreen? It was. It didn't change aspect that I could tell. Oh, okay. That might be a, just a Blu-ray thing, hmm. which I like. I'm an aspect ratio. I'm I'm trying to become an aspect ratio nerd. Okay. So I'm you I'm are. excited. You are. You will pause the movie for a while to figure it out. Yeah. Sometimes when something seems wrong, I'll I'll do a little research. Yeah. And I don't like that Sopranos is is a, a fake widescreen when we're watching it. And same with Reno 911. That that bothers me a lot. Keep it whatever it was shot in. Because yeah. they were originally, what, square? Because TVs were still square yeah. at that point? Yeah, so you're watching all these these Italian gangsters walk around, and they look huge. They look, they're everything's all stretched. stretched. <laughs> so, like, Tony wasn't heavy enough that now yeah. <laughs> Tony's sides are stretched? Jesus Christ. You were watching it, you were watching it fit to screen. <laughs> yeah it's it's a little wild and there's i've not i've not found a setting that that i think they you know quote remastered it into widescreen but it's still 
doesn't look right. Oh, those anyway. those trays of lasagna are so much bigger now. <laughs> yeah, that's why that lady's spaghetti looks so much bigger. The, the that's other true. We that's true. They're like who in their right mind would eat that much spaghetti at a restaurant? Well, you and I, for one. Yeah, yeah, but like when when an extra steals your attention from what's going on because of their large. That's plate. a big plate of spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> but um. So now we have this whole sequence where Bane breaks into this, the Gotham stock market, mm. and they're going to transfer all these funds because they have Bruce Wayne's fingerprints to basically bankrupt Bruce Wayne. And bankroll everything they want to do. Probably. Yeah, and then this will allow Miranda Tate's energy project to be brought back so that they can use the nuclear bomb. Convoluted? Yes. As much as comic books always do for plots? Absolutely. I'm still on board. And they hop on motorcycles. We have these stuntmen who are attached to the back of the motorcycles. Insane. Yeah, that's cool. It's a cool sequence. And then we have the return of our beloved hero, Batman. We have a great cop that that is uh, that is saying like, "Oh man, you're in for it tonight, kid, rookie. Yeah. Like this is going to be fun. Batman's on the scene. Yeah. No one's seen him in a long time, and." He's just taking out these motorcyclists left and right, and it's cool. And it, and it ends, the whole sequence ends with him getting into the bat. Yes. And getting away, which I think for me in the, the midnight showing theater experience, it that was, was a like applause moment. moment. <laughs> yeah. So just a logic question at this point. So when Dark Knight ends, the whole idea is everyone thinks Batman's a killer and he's the one who killed... Uh, uh, Harvey Dent, and w that's bad. So, like, Batman's got to yeah. go into hiding because if we find Batman, we're going to charge him with murder. And when Batman yeah. comes back in this part of Dark Knight Rises, are the cops like, oh shit, we got to go arrest Batman for that murder? Or are they like, I forget, are, are I, they're kind of like, oh cool, it's Batman, all is forgiven. Well, the um, Joseph Gordon Levitt is in the car with that other guy who's like a lieutenant or something who's in charge right right and he's like don't follow the motorcycle guys follow batman he's like that guy killed harvey okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Get so they I think, do acknowledge i think it's that. also right. okay. more sensational news wise to this to this character right if they caught batman as opposed to these guys that just stole some money gotcha gotcha yeah okay and then the 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 cop that's kind of like you're in for it rookie he he seems to me if i can read into it he seems like someone who was around during Batman Begins and never totally bought the whole Harvey Dent mm -hmm. story because he seems pretty excited. Like he's always keyed in like Batman's doing something good. Yeah. Or maybe he's just an adrenaline junkie. Right. Yeah. Well, the thing is, at this point, <laughs> if it's been eight years since the Harvey Dent killing and Batman's disappeared, you would have totally different camps because you would have like yeah. conspiracy theorists who are like, Here's actually what yeah. happened to Harvey Dent. There'd be all these reddits and subreddits and, you know, Batman's innocent or Batman actually, he's the Zodiac or whatever. So, like, Batman yeah. would be such a weird figure that if he came out now, you would have, like, everyone on different camps about him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Totally. Well, the Menendez brothers are trending on TikTok, so that kind of stuff happens. Like, mm -hmm. Gen Z loves the Menendez brothers. Mm -hmm. And so if that can happen, then the Batman would be a huge—and it only been eight years, so yeah. it's, it'd be a huge thing. Yeah. That's true, by the way. I saw the Menendez brothers are trending on TikTok. It is bizarre. 
TikTok's a whole other world, and I, I haven't gotten myself to... I will I will post videos of me playing guitar on there, and I will just... um I will put the app away, though. I don't associate with okay. it. I just do it to... To to get my name out there as a musician, mm-hmm. and I I I I can't have another social media platform that I devote time to. Okay, so we have the stock market. Um, I I will admit that, and this is this is embarrassing. But when when Batman returned, Mister Micah got some chills. Mm-hmm. Watching it the other night, not not just in the theaters. I I got him now. I mean, I love this guy. He's a great guy. Batman's a cool, dude. We love we love Batman. Um, so then Batman saves Catwoman, who is trying to get the clean slate mm-hmm. USB drive from Dagnet. From Daggett. Daggett. Who a- after watching the cartoons a bunch re- recently, I was like, ah, now I'll remember that name because I know that's a notable name. Played by the great Ben Mendelsohn. Yeah, who is the only person in this trilogy who wears a turtleneck? When I've been waiting for Bruce Wayne to wear one. Because we got it, we got it in Michael Keaton, and even Val Kilmer and George Clooney wore turtlenecks. Yeah, it's a Bruce Wayne thing. I really but, think they missed it with with Christian not wearing a, a turtleneck. But at least Ben Mendelsohn gets one. Yes, <laughs> we'll and, give it to him. And and he's he's got a pretty fun performance. You know, he thinks he's in control. And there's that great sequence where Bane walks up to him and he says, "What do I need to pay you more? Like, why are you so upset?" And he just gently puts his hand on top of Daggett on his shoulder, and he says, "Do you feel in control?" That's a great. You, you give me money, yeah, that's awesome. And this gives you power over me, and I'm like, "Oh, this is cool." Yeah. <laughs> and then he just uh, kills him, breaks his neck, I think. Yeah, I think so. I mean, he loves breaking vertebrae in this movie. Mm-hmm. He's all about the vertebrae. Um, where are we at? <laughs> well, he he just saved Catwoman. And um, man, it's a long movie. It's, it's, it's a long movie. So much. This, it's too much. I mean, I think, I think a big thing with this movie is you kind of could have started when Bane blows up the football field and takes over the city, or like not far before that. Yeah. I think that is a a big problem with this movie. Is like. This first act is too much. It's too much. It's too it's, much. It's, yeah, it could go definitely do with some trimming. And I think you could even do it while still maintaining the whole like Batman retired and he needs to get back into it. I think that could be shorter and it would still be impactful. Yeah, I, I like the length. I like the complexity. I mean, I love the movie. But there is a version of the movie where Bane just takes over the city and Bruce Wayne is still like, I can't. I'm not Batman. I can't do this. Right. And then, and then, you know, for, for 40 minutes, he's like trying to figure it out. And then he trains and he, then he becomes Batman by 45 minutes in. Yeah. And he's fighting Bane. I I think it's that I get, they wanted to do the, the comic plot from, you know, where, where Batman has got a broken back and he's gone for a long time, but it's just tough to do that in a movie because it's, yeah. it's just such a long period of time of Batman really doing nothing. And then you're matching yeah. that in this movie with the long period of time where Bane has taken over the city and really nothing is happening at that point because there's no Batman mm-hmm. there and Catwoman isn't really trying to be the hero. So you've just got these mm-hmm. long stretches in this movie where it's just such a stasis. 
Yeah. yeah. I think the Miranda character can, if you like really were trying to trim things down, you could get rid of her. Yeah. I, I, I understand comic book wise, like her whole twist being Raza Ghoul's daughter, like comic book wise, like that's exciting. But with a grounded Nolan version, I think it's a little too crazy. Yeah. That like, a, like it's almost like a too big of a coincidence. I think that's my least favorite part of this movie is to find out that she's the daughter. And it's like, oh, you weren't really doing anything this whole movie other than just being here for this moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, she, but she does have the greatest death scene ever put to film. <laughs> do, do you, she gets do you blown, recall this? How does she die in this? She gets blown up by Catwoman she, rockets or? No, no that's, that's Bane. Bane. She, she crashes her car and, and it's just one of the, you know, every once in a while a movie does something and, and I am put in such a, a stupor of amazement. If I <laughs> because I don't know how on set editing and a director could all say that's it that's the take we're gonna go with that <laughs> yeah because if you recall she's she slumped in the in the semi truck she's in and she right. says a couple things and then she literally goes um let's see if I can do this she goes yeah pretty much i mean it's it's the craziest scene i've i i cannot believe and i just have to put attention that's a crack in the pavement uh i mean like how did they think that that was the take to use i totally agree she did not need to be in this movie i hate the reveal that she's actually the bigger villain because it's like yeah. It's just such a nothing because it's not a betrayal anyone cares about. It's like I get her and Batman slept together once, but that's like kind of meaningless, you know? Yeah. And it's it's just a twist for the sake of a twist and it kind of, to me, always devalued Bane because it's like, okay, yeah. why? Did, that's true. You know, Bane was, I've been watching Bane run the city for fucking five hours now and now you're telling me bane didn't matter um and then he just gets blown up and we don't see him anymore. yes like we he doesn't get like a parting line or anything no. it's like as soon as she was revealed to be rasa ghoul's daughter it, it was like oh, okay at that point bane was no longer a character that served a purpose yes yeah yes and it was yeah that is a big bummer yeah and it's like i listen i like batman begins fine but Nobody, and I think that's the big problem with this movie again, is that Joker needed to be the villain because no one gives a shit about the League of Shadows. So, like, the reveal that she's the daughter of Ra's al Ghul, it's like, there's no, there's no juice in that at all, you know? It's like, League of Shadows, we're so done with that. Yeah, the and, mythology uh, of that. Yeah, yeah, the mythology of that, it's just, it isn't that important by the time we get to this third Batman movie. So to me, that's, it just all falls flat when that's the big reveal. I don't think there needed to be a big reveal. This needs to be shorter. And at some point he, he beats Bane, you know? Yeah. Having said all that, having though, said all that, this is my phrase <laughs> having, uh, yeah, that's my phrase for this episode. I do like the League of Shadows stuff. <laughs> no, the League of Shadows stuff is cool. I, I do like it. But I think the specific Ra's daughter, I, I do I do see that. Because I, I think I am always a little like, like subconsciously when she's on screen, I'm a little like, all right, let's 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 get through this. And let's I think, get back to Bane. <laughs> I think 
the Razo Ghoul stuff works better for the first movie because it's like an origin Batman story. So we're getting his origin story. It's not just so much about League of Sa- Shadows, but in this, you know, and then Joker, we don't know where he's from, and that's the best part about it. Mm-hmm. And then for for Bane, it, like we were, this whole movie was all about where he's from. We were they were trying yeah. to explain it the whole time, yeah. and and it's like that doesn't really serve Bruce's character like the first movie did, and that's I think true. that's why yeah. it worked well. When in this one, it's it it is just adds to the convoluted nature of the movie. Yeah, but sp- speaking of, um, let's let's because we we kind of just covered the middle of this movie, but mm-hmm. Batman gets his back broken. Mm-hmm. Very cool fight scene. Um, I like that set a lot. That set is really cool. It's a cool set. Um, and then Bane puts him in a pit. Mm-hmm. The pit. The whole idea is you you can't have despair without hope. So you can escape this pit, but of course... Only he, one person has. Yeah, which we find out later it's uh, uh, Ra's al Ghul's daughter. Um, and so we have all this stuff. I, I dig all this. I like when Ra's al Ghul appears to him like in a dream vision. And, and maybe that's just my, my comic booky stuff because it's like the character is immortal. And oh, I, I, like, I like how cool. they kind of included that with, yeah. it, like you're saying though, they kind of skirt the line without totally accepting that the comic books are crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but, um, and then, you know, he recovers from his back. We have the great chant. DJ, DJ, that is called, you know, and, and maybe maybe some of us have that that vinyl record because we love the score so much and we love <laughs> Hans and it really started a love of Hans. That that person might be me. And uh, yeah. that chant could be your ringtone. <laughs> it could be the ringtone. It could be the text tone. It could also be when I receive an email. Um, but then Batman finally he he tries to escape. He fails. He tries to escape again. He fails. And it's like, what is going on? How's he going to get out of here? And then the doctor says, you have a rope, and you don't fear death. You need to fear death. You know, the whole series is about fear. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's do this. They chant again. Wonderful 5-4 timing. We love it. And then he jumps across, gets out of the pit, throws the rope down to let all the prisoners free. He must have liked those folks. But he doesn't really know what they did. That's a that's a risky <laughs> true, move, They Batman. might deserve it. <laughs> but um. But I think that is cool for for Bruce's character because in the first in Batman Begins, it, League of Shadows says you like lose fear. That's what you need to yeah. lose. Mm-hmm. Of course, Bruce does not make it in the League of Shadows. Right. But then in this movie, the it the, it is important. It's basically healthy fear. That's what you do need, and maybe that is what what set Bane even apart from League of Shadows because he was excommunicated or whatever. Yeah. You know, like they, they do have this kind of fear. I, I like all of those themes. Totally. That, totally. And how it ties together. We do have the nice football stadium scene. That's a great which, shot. Great trailer shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that 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 shot of him running through the explosions is really cool. It does go into that category for me of like indulgent filmmaking that I am okay with. But I know it's like, how would this guy not turn around? What is going on? And he's just like, touchdown, baby. Mm-hmm. And then he <laughs> he looks back and he's like, oh, man, all my friends just died. Um, but, <laughs> you know, it's we need some indulgent filmmaking. You know, it's a superhero movie at the end of the day. Yeah, and I think yeah. set pieces like that, I mean, that is, it is just, 
it's a cool idea and it was done really well so you can kind of look past the idea of yeah he should be he would be looking over his shoulder but you're actually not yeah, yeah you're, you're not supposed to look back because you look back you get tackled true that's, that's just, true yeah, that's how it goes I don't know how and, he didn't hear you know explosions, what? but who knows? Right. <laughs> I don't like being a, a stickler on little plot points like that. Yeah. Because I just don't like, I don't think that's a fun way to watch movies. But it's just always something where every time I watch it, I'm like, it's a little weird. Yeah. But I dig it. I dig it. As you can tell. Yeah. I still dig the movie. <laughs> Warts and all. So those cracks are not cracks in the pavement, though. They're, they're cracks in the football field. But not the pavement. <laughs> No, okay. no, it's it's grassy cracks. Good, good. <laughs> Which you're okay That's with. That's a phrase I never want to <laughs> say again. <laughs> but um, so Bane, the bomb's gonna go off. We're, is that okay to just skip to bombs yeah, gonna yeah, go off? Yeah. Um, he's releasing prisoners from Blackgate, and he reveals to everyone that Harvey Dent, the whole thing was a lie. Mm-hmm. And I'm taking the city and giving it back to you, the people. And does his great thing where his eyes kind of cross all about it. And now they're patrolling the city. It's in martial law. They're going to blow up this bomb. And we we have a great cameo from Scarecrow again as he is uh, condemning people to either death or exile. Or in Gary Oldman's case, death by exile. Mm-hmm. And all this, cr- the, the, the city's in shambles. The, the upper class has been thrown out. And this is where it gets really confusing on what yeah. we should be, like what he is trying to say. And I think we're coming to the conclusion that maybe he's not trying to make any statement. That's possible. I Yeah, I think he just didn't. I think he wanted to use the the hot imagery at the time, which was all of the Occupy Wall Street stuff. And he just then didn't have a real plan on how to turn that into a narrative that had a, a point to it. Yeah. But he was like, oh, I like the way this looks, all these young people yelling. So I'm <laughs> going to throw that in here. But then he didn't bother. He's like, what are they yelling about? I don't know. Who knows? No one knows. <laughs> yeah. I kind of feel like it's like, what did the people learn after this moment in Gotham history? I don't know. But I feel uh, yeah, like with Joker, true. like what they did learn something about themselves. Through that Yeah, that's a good point. (laughs) So Batman comes back. We're getting into the final battle. I know I'm glossing Mm -hmm. over a lot, but... That's okay. You know, we've talked about a lot of this movie. So so we're getting to the final battle. We have a crowd of police attacking the prisoners, um, which hits a lot differently watching it these days. For me personally, I'm like, oh, we're watching that happen right now. And I'm supposed to root for the police in this movie? That's weird. Um. Yeah, it's it, he's so yeah he's so pro the police in this because like they yeah. get such a glory shot in this third act of like we're gonna break out of this sewer and we're gonna knock some some poor people heads and it's like I don't know stay in the sewer maybe <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> try and find those turtles yeah yeah right right yeah and um yeah so it's. That's interesting. I mean, it is cool because he, you know, he really gets a crowd of people. It's really that stuff happening. It's it's real. Not like movie movie magic wise. Yeah, we, I mean, you you and I, we like CGI just as much as the next guy. But it it is this is a very tactile movie for the most part, mm-hmm. and I I love that about it. And uh, were you about to say something? 
No, no, I agree. Oh. It's like this, this, and and like the first time I saw it, all of this worked for me in, because I'm like, I can't, I, I, I'm but a man. I can't resist mm-hmm. when Batman comes back and he puts the bat symbol up on fire mm-hmm. and everyone yeah. responds to it. And, and that bit, I mean, you know, I guess you're getting to that now, but like the huge brawl, you know, mm-hmm. in the, whatever that is, the courthouse steps, the big riot between the bad guys and the good guys and Batman fighting Bane. Like that is all, it is all really cool. Yeah. You know, I think that is the good, a good, that is the ending to a good two hour version of this movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it continues past two hours. Continue. Well past. <laughs> the bomb is just going to go off anyway. Um, they, you know, Gordon is finally used by yeah. putting the, whatever that thing is so that she can't, uh, blow up the bomb, I guess. Uh-huh. Um, but it's not going to matter anyway, because it's still going to blow up in 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then Batman gets it, flies it over the harbor. We see one last shot of Batman. The bomb goes off. Joseph Gordon-Levitt is looking off, hopeless. The children in the buses are hopeless. No, they're cheering. Oh, they are cheering, he, yes. He's feeling You're that right. way because he knows. And so people are people are feeling torn. Then we see this montage of of a statue being built of batman Batman. we have um michael kane crying and saying um oh he's that he's to his parents graves that i failed you i failed you yeah Yeah. great love his acting get get out of here it's so good (laughs) and um and then blake we find out his middle name is robin he starts looking up like like he gets all this equipment and he starts heading somewhere and as he's doing that michael kane goes to this restaurant Mm -hmm. and he sits down and he looks and and i do like he he looks and you're thinking oh he's gonna see him right there and then he just keeps looking and you're like oh okay maybe that's not gonna happen the first time Mm -hmm. and then uh joseph gordon levitt walks into the bat cave he's gonna take up the mantle yep and the and then uh michael kane once again looks and he sees Mr. Bruce Wayne with Selena Kyle, and they both look at each other knowingly. They don't speak, and then and then the 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 platform rises, mm-hmm. and it says the Dark Knight rises. Mm-hmm. And then all of my friends at the time said, "I can't wait for them to make a sequel with Joseph Gordon-Levitt." <laughs> and I said, "Yeah, no, that th- that wasn't set up for a sequel. That's the end." Uh, I thought they were setting up for a sequel. You did. It's- <laughs> Yeah, not even that I was, like, desperate for it. You know, it's like, I've got to see Robin. But uh, it, it, I, I, think it, I think it definitely gave off that impression of, like, you know, he's going to be doing some, some movies. Was there talk oh, of that? Oh, really? Um, was there talk of that? I don't think, I there, don't think there was ever talk of it. No. I, I think, like, that died out pretty quickly. But the movie definitely gives the impression we're going to we're going to do some stuff because like obviously they're going to want to keep doing the studio would have done mm-hmm. it for yeah. sure yeah the yeah. studio for sure i i just yeah i knew like especially when rewatching them up to watching the movie and stuff they they stress so much that it is not about who is in the costume it's about what it represents and mm-hmm. it's such a theme in the series that the the, the bat is a symbol and it's not mm-hmm. a person and so mm-hmm. when it when it rises up i just go he's just the next part of this yeah 
Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. what's kind of fun about this trilogy is that it's a, it's a fun way to adapt comic books because it does have an ending. Because comic books don't ever end. Yeah. And like something like mm-hmm. the MCU, I love it for mm-hmm. the most part, but I mean, it we will die before that is over. We'll mm-hmm. never yeah. see the ending of the mm-hmm. MCU. Mm-hmm. The same with now they're doing Star Wars. It's like we're never going to see the end of Star Wars. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. like a little bit of a bummer that the story can't ever end. But it's the nature of comic books. So it's it's cool that they right. decided this is an ending and then someone else can do um a really really mopey sad Batman who has no characteristics. <laughs> well, he can just right. be sad all the time. What's like it? Are you looking forward to that one? To the, are you guys looking forward to the Matt Reeves? Oh, that I'm Batman? looking forward to. I, I was am? referring to Zack oh, you, Snyder. The ben Affleck. Yes. yes, that's true. Which okay. the yeah. the Matt Reeves one. I mean, I love Robert Pattinson. I'll pretty much watch anything he's in. Yeah. And I love mm-hmm. Paul Dano. I'll pretty much watch anything he's in, too. <laughs> so it has all the right ingredients for me. But I, when they announced the movie, I was like, give it a break, yeah. please. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I will say, uh, although I think listeners will be like, seriously, again, um, I, I am excited about that movie. It looks cool. But I don't know that I necessarily need to see another gritty Batman movie. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's the dark thing. in the My Chemical Co- Romance song in the trailer. It's like, uh, I think it was a My Chemical Romance song, right? In the trailer? I don't remember. Or was it, or was nine, or was it Nine Inch Nails? It was some dark, it was some very dark rock song. I think it I'll was say, I think it was Nine Inch Nails. I think they did hurt. If in they there, put I My forget. Chemical Romance in the trailer, I would be excited. <laughs> Like way more than I am. I think that was the and joke. I don't think it was. People were saying that he, <laughs> okay. it was like a My Chemical He's Romance so Batman. Emo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Which makes sense. Yeah, it's it's true because it's like this is now three Batman that are in the same vein. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we could have went for like yeah the, the at some point not go full Batman and Robin or Batman Forever. But like a a little bit more, I guess not to say Marvely, but like yeah, a little more of a Marvely superhero like just version of Batman. Try like, to show me that you're having a little bit of fun while you're doing it. I yeah. hope that yeah. they that that's conveyed even a little bit. Yeah, and and I think so, like this series, it's funny how many movies are influenced by the Dark Knight trilogy and they want to be dark and gritty, but people forget that these movies have a lot of humor in them. And Bruce Wayne's kind of a goofball. And mm-hmm. they are fun movies, I think. But but everyone's like, I only learned the lesson that that it's dark. Mm-hmm. That's like right. the only lesson filmmakers learn from this for some reason. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think the problem it comes down to is he used the word dark in two out of the three titles. Yeah. And you just had a lot of filmmakers who really only saw the titles. Yeah. And that's what they took from it. I think if he had called this third movie something else that didn't have the word dark in it, we may not have had Man of Steel. Yeah. Who knows? That's We're going to be covering that very soon. Oh, God. Yeah. It'll be an so, interesting rewatch. So do you guys overall think this is... Is this one of the better... Uh, like cinematic universes that you've covered. Is this your favorite one? The Nolan Batman trilogy? This, this is definitely one of my faves. Um, we've covered quite a few that I've, I've really liked all the way though. Mad Max is up there for one of my favorites we've covered. Mm -hmm. 
I I love all the Unbreakable movies. It's it's mm-hmm. too wild and crazy to write off. It's easier to like a series when there's less entries. <laughs> yeah, I get less bored. Mm-hmm. So to only have three. Also, like I've said, this is like specifically the series has a special place in my heart, whether or not like how it's aged. But yeah. because there's only three, it's like, cool. We just got to start a new one next week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Toy Story. That's a big one. Yeah. Yeah. But we're, we're only at the two year mark. We got a lot to cover. We haven't even tackled yeah. Star Wars yet. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. But we did tack uh, Harry Potter's another real good one, but except for Fantastic Beasts, you have to put yes. a big asterisk next to that. I mean, that's its own thing. I think it's the way you're splitting up the Batman right. movies. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. That's how I choose to see it, for <laughs> sure. Um. Yeah, I think, I mean, yeah, Clayton and I are definitely not as big on this trilogy as you guys are. I think that, if this movie had stuck the landing for me, it would have been a lot higher up there. Sure. But I I don't think I put it up there as one of, you know, my great trilogies. Um, because, like, I like the first one fine. I think the second one is two-thirds of an amazing movie, and then I don't love the ending. And then this one, if they, they needed to cut an hour out of this goddamn movie. It's just too long. It's too long. It's too long. It's too much of people in bed. Mm-hmm. This movie needed to have less bed. There's too many bed sores in this in Dark Knight Rises. What about you, Clayton? Yeah, I mean I'm I'm the same way. I'm not big on the I'm not big on these on these three movies in general. This one as well, like it's hard because I mean I also think like the age difference. Not to 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 age myself, but you know when uh, you know I was excited for the first Batman so much because I remember just going to see that movie several times in the theater, and by the time we got to Batman Begins and then Dark Knight and then this one, I was kind of as much as adults love uh, superhero movies, I was kind of a little aged out of them. Sure. And and so I was uh, just not as excited. But I mean, I did like, you know, I like Nolan from Memento and all his previous films. And then like I loved mm-hmm. Inception. So I got I wished I was more excited about his Batman. But to me, Batman was a way for him to be able to make his original movies. So I kind of tolerated them in a way. Because if we didn't, yeah. if, oh, yeah. if he didn't do Batman, he couldn't do, do Interstellar. So yeah. the yeah. fact that these movies exist means that other stuff that I like exists, and that's enough for me. Yeah. That's, hey, that's a great take. Yeah. That's the diversity of movies. Mm-hmm. You love some, you hate some, and everybody thinks differently about it. We love that. Yeah. Well, do, do you have anything left that you want to say about The Dark Knight Rises? I mean, I ought to say that, listen, Clayton and I are B.O. Mm-hmm. boys. We're box office above all. So it almost doesn't matter, even though we have been talking for, at this point now, about seven hours about the quality <laughs> of this movie. The quality doesn't matter because in the end, these were billion-dollar babies. You know, first one did okay at the box office. Second one is an all-time hit. Third one also was a huge hit. So... All I got to say about these movies is 
They killed it at the BO, so they are great films. The really the only metric that matters when it comes to a film is how much it makes it the f- mm-hmm. at the box office. So this is a success. Yeah, I love it. And that's a perfect plug for the BO boys. Listen to the podcast. I listen to it every week, and I I get to know all uh, the breakdowns of the weekend, and it is so fascinating right now. Because the box office is on its head, but things are opening back up. So it's so exciting every week when it's like, whoa, this number is bigger than last time. Whoa, mm-hmm. this is recovering. I don't think all the theaters in the world are going to close. This could happen again. We could all go to movies again. Yeah, B.O. is back. And I think for all of the people who listen to this podcast who now are, of course, going to subscribe to the B.O. Boys. Of course. We have been doing, we did the B.O. Boys, we started it before the pandemic happened, and we did not miss a week, even though for the majority of 2020 into 2021, there was no theatrical business. So our podcast, Clayton and I always say it, is one of the great living documents of uh, yeah. of the history of what we all went through. Yeah. Because we, we did not miss a week. We covered the BO even when uh, basically the number one movie in the country was like some little movie that someone released in one theater in their town. And by default, since that made $800, that was the number one movie. We covered all that. So you listen to all the new episodes week by week, but also do yourself a favor and listen to the last year. <laughs> and re- re- Because what everyone wants to do is relive 2020. So we live it through... <laughs> the bo boys uh archive but then also now we're covering movies have opened up box office is back godzilla versus kong fast nine's coming it's 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 huge well listeners as you know on patreon this month we're covering batman 1966 so sign up for our patreon at patreon.com slash m-i-c-a-h-m-c-c-a-w and also next week we start our little trilogy break, a breath of fresh air before the DCEU. We're covering Richard Linklater's The Before Trilogy. So get on it, folks. My. And I promise. Favorite. <laughs> Sorry, I interrupt you. My favorite trilogy you guys just mentioned. That is my favorite trilogy. Oh, and awesome. There you go. I, I, I wanted to sandwich it. We thought of this like a week ago. I wanted to sandwich it in between two big franchises because I, I pretty much can guarantee you, listener... That you will love it. I will and you say, might go, I don't, that doesn't sound interesting. A romance well, series? Well, with the DCEU, we're about to cover things that feel dark and hopeless and without heart. So what better than to cover a series before that that's full of heart yeah. and love? It'll tide us over till we get to Shazam. Sure. <laughs> so let's go. But I, I think the first one is uh, sun, Sunrise, right? Before Sunrise, yeah. Before mm-hmm. sunrise. So get on it, folks. Thanks for listening. Rate, review, subscribe. Check out BO Boys. And um, what's what's a good sign off? Um, I'm Gotham's Reckoning. I'm Gotham's Reckoning. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't say that with much confidence, though. You <laughs> did. No. <laughs> I am Gotham's Reckoning. I guess. Micah Jordan. You merely adopted the dark.
in it. I was born in it. I was born in it. 